Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sophie Collins, and I am a mother and entrepreneur, and I am obsessed with feeling my best. This show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Obsessed with Feeling My Best. Today's episode is a really, really inspiring one. Today I'm chatting with Miriam Alden of Brunette the Label. Brunette the Label was founded by Miriam in 2014 as an outlet to align her personal values to the product she was already selling in her fashion showroom. As a CEO and creative director, Miriam fully embodies the brand inside and out through her vision of uplifting all babes every day. As a female founder, Miriam feels passionate about supporting other women-led businesses by offering mentoring. She volunteers as a mentor through the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs and regularly sits on panels that lend themselves as additional platforms to spread the brunette brand vision. Miriam is also an amazing and loving mama, a celebrated equestrian, and an ardent advocate for animal rights. Brunette Brands as a company collaborates with many charities throughout the year in a variety of give-back programs focusing on female-led and animal-focused charities. Miriam is forever inspired by vintage fashion, and her aim is to create a clothing line that lasts season to season, holds a special place in your closet, and can be lovingly passed down from generation to generation. Miriam loves to design elevated basics for everyone and is leading the way by creating and shaping the evolution of loungewear. Miriam is brunette the label personified and lives in a sweatsuit all day, every day. Everything that we talk about today is so resonant for what I've personally been going through lately when it comes to balancing motherhood and work and social media and constantly feeling the need to keep up and keep creating. We also talk about making sure you take breaks from being online, hobbies that are important to her, how she finds balance between her personal brand and her company, what she loves most about working in the space that she works, what her background is. This woman is an incredible hustler, and I am so lucky to call her a friend and mentor. Welcome to the show, Miriam. Hi, Miriam. Thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. Thank I'm you so, so much. To, I'm so <laughs> excited to have you here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. So people can't see us, but we are hovered <laughs> over your desk speaking into the same microphone. So everyone will just have to bear with us, but there's no better way to get intimate than physically seated like this. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, our legs are literally crossed <laughs> over each other. It's hilarious, but I like it. <laughs> so I know a lot about your background and who you are and what you've built. But for those who don't, could you just give us a little bit of a background on who you are? Absolutely. So my name is Miriam Alden. I was born and raised in North Vancouver, BC. So I'm a Vancouver girl. I started sort of my fashion. Well, I, I actually think I started my fashion career in high school because 
we made these like football cheering t-shirts and I completely forgot about it. But actually I was walking down the street maybe like two years ago and a girl walked past me wearing it. Oh my and gosh. I was like, oh my gosh, I manifested Brunette the label then. That is <laughs> amazing. I completely forgot about it. But we made these like super cute white t-shirts that said um, it was something from my high school on them. And it was literally the beginning, I think. But I actually started as a competitive equestrian. So I always loved fashion and thought that it was something I wanted to do. But I ultimately wanted to be a competitive equestrian. That was kind of what I wanted for my life. And so I spent the majority of my time at a barn growing up. I worked there so that I was able to ride because it wasn't something that was like financially affordable for my family. So I basically got my first job at nine mucking stalls. (laughs) Most of the time, other than that, I just hung out in the forest with my animals. I was definitely a unique person, (laughs) collected bugs. There wasn't much about me that was fashion related then. But then I kind of rode and did that until I was about 20. I never worked in retail. I always worked in restaurants because I wanted the tips. (laughs) (laughs) Who didn't? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then when I decided that that wasn't going to be what I was going to do for my life, I took a step back and thought about what I wanted to do and took a couple of years off and ended up going to school. And after that, I applied at a showroom and literally that was the beginning of my career. Amazing. And so... Obviously, we're sitting in your showroom. We're sitting in your office. Tell us a little bit of a difference of your business between the showroom and your label, because now we have Brunette the label. So tell us a little bit about that story. Okay. So I started Brunette Showroom on October 1st, 2009. I had been working in the industry. So I graduated from college, I think it was 2005. So I guess it was only four years at this point, but I had done like multiple things in the fashion industry. That was when I actually fit modeled. That's how I originally started. So I fit models for Diesel and Miss 60. And I remember walking out into the meetings. My first fit modeling was actually with Below the Belt, which is funny because they ended up being one of my clients like years and years later. And so I did that. And I remember just like loving the kind of like conversations around what they're looking for, what they need, and just like the really like true business of fashion. And then I was like, I think that's what I wanted to do by nature. Like my instinct, I just am like a salesperson. What I love to do is just like work together with my clients and figure out what they're looking for and what will be successful for them. And so, you know, I still think from the beginning of starting my showroom till now, like that's like truly like my biggest passion. But the reason why I started the showroom was I had worked in wholesale for four years. I really needed some growth. Like I realized at this point, I'm super growth driven person, definitely more than like financial. I wouldn't say I'm like a super financially motivated person. So what do you mean by growth? I just always need to keep moving forward. I just always looked for opportunities for myself. So when I was doing, working for my first boss, he was so supportive of me doing like other things. So I wrote a fashion column. I did like styling. So I did styling for magazines. I just kind of shadowed some people in film. That was something I thought about potentially doing. I just like did so many different things. I worked back in the day. It was like totally different. Interns didn't get paid. So I did as much as I possibly could to learn and grow. And so I did that from kind of the four years that I worked with my um, first boss, who was an incredibly supportive person and loved the idea of growth as well. So let me sort of do the column on the side or do as long as it didn't affect my current job, Mm -hmm. he'd let me do multiple things. So, you know, I would test and try different sort of aspects of the industry and realize that sales was really, truly what I loved. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got to the end of my time there and was just like, you know, I feel like I'm sort of, I grow, I worked with this brand kind of from beginning to end. I started it when the brand started and then 
my boss, I basically came to him and was like, would you want to be my partner? And it's actually what I'm going to talk about in here is really cool because it was a super full circle moment recently. And he just, they, it's a family business. They'd had it for 50 years. He like loved me. He cried, but just didn't want me to be a partner. I didn't have any money anyway. So I kind of like bought into the business, but he let me start my own showroom whilst continuously working for him at the same time so that I was able to be paid, but also he didn't have to, you know, find someone immediately, you know, it's hard. Like you have your own business. It's like two weeks is basically impossible to replace somebody's job. So I stayed for, I think six to nine months to give him an opportunity to find somebody that was the right fit. I trained them. And while I did that, then on the weekends, I started my own business. I went to a couple trade shows. He let me do that. And then at the very end, I brought these like small brands that I found in their showroom on the road. He was like super supportive. It's amazing to have someone like that who is just so supportive of you and someone you can rely on. And how did you decide that it was the time to go out on your own? Like, what was that pivotal moment for you? I think that's a lot of people have that question when they're running a side hustle, doing a passion project. Like, when do you decide to take it to the next level? I don't know if I even had a clue. If I'm being really (laughs) honest, like, I think I just hit a place where I just, I was already doing so many side things. Like, I just was like, I just hit this place where I felt like, oh yeah, that's what I was talking about before. It was like, I grew a brand when I first got it from basically like zero customers to about as big as you could get it in Western Canada. And, you know, I'd hit this like growth kind of platform with that particular brand, even though it was like awesome. And I could have kept growing and doing that. I just needed more. And I just had this like feeling inside of me that I was like, I just need to do my own thing. I I kind of always wanted to, I think like as a kid and my mom has on her fridge at home, it's a self portrait. (laughs) It's hilarious. And it says, when I grow up, I want to be a toy store manager. So clearly it was something that's been sort of ingrained in me as like my natural personality. I just needed something that was my own thing. I used to say to my little sister, do you want to start a retail store and call it like mere self? Cause her name's Sophie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And she actually has a jewelry brand. She had the business before I had mine. And so I represent it and have since. Oh, I amazing. What's it called? Lizbeth's jewelry. And it's beautiful. beautiful. Like it's all, she is honestly, yeah, her business is like, I want to say it's 17 years old now. Wow. Yeah. And it's all like handmade. She does it. And she sells to like beautiful retailers. And so I think I always knew that I wanted to do something, but I just, at that point I needed growth. I needed something more, but I literally didn't have a dollar. <laughs> like actually now when I think about what I did, I, what? like, would you have done it again if you knew what was ahead? Yeah, I would have. I feel like it's almost harder when you get bigger. Yeah, I feel like I just did all of it on my own. And so it was like, you know, I'd get, I needed money to pay for my personal rent. So I started this Pashmina business with my friend where we like we would go and buy pashminas out of like a cash and carry place and package them up in these like cute packages and then deliver them to like businesses downtown. Like her and I started this like wrap bracelet line. I just basically did anything I possibly could on the side so that I could afford to start my business. And so I still received permission from my first job for maybe six months. So that was like the only income that I had. And when I left, I had two very small brands that I had found in Las Vegas at a trade show. And I think one of my biggest strengths is knowing what works individually for retailers. Like ultimately, I probably should yeah. have been a buyer if I did. Well, you are. Yeah, I, am I mean, you're designing I, and buying. <laughs> yeah. So I spent so much time. I drove through all of Canada. I like got in my car and stopped at every single store with bags of clothes that had no name brand, but really I knew that they would sell for customers. And so that's really how Brunette Showroom started. 
And I did that for five years. So basically, I started with those two brands that were no names. And then I started to get, you know, I had friends in the business. I'd worked yeah. in the industry a long time. I had a really good reputation. So I went and got a couple new brands. So I ended up getting Quicksilver Women's and a big brand called Desigual from Spain, which honestly was like a huge, important part of like helping me dream really big. I feel so grateful to have worked with a company like that. Their vision statement was fun and profit. And honestly, I'm like, yes, please. Yeah. And they really (laughs) did both the same at equal R. And then I got a brand called BB Dakota. I got Seychelles footwear and then it really grew. And we, the showroom was definitely one of the top showrooms in Western Canada. And then I started wanting to host like media events to promote the showroom. And so I don't even know if I fully answered it, but basically Brunette Showroom was a wholesale showroom representing other brands. And then when I started Brunette the Label, Ryan, who um, he actually just left, he worked here for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. He still kind of, he does a photography still, but has gone off to pursue his photography career. But he and I hosted media events because I knew brands always come and go, but I wanted to really create like a value system around my business and who we were. We'd made backpacks that said like Brunette is new black on them. And I named Brunette showroom that just because I'm the tall brunette and the game's not very easy. So if you didn't remember it, you would remember that. Yeah. And and, and I feel like this was back in the day where everything said blonde on it. So you I oh, feel yeah. like you were the first brand to say brunette. It's yeah. kind of refreshing. Yeah. Well actually it was a little bit before that. Wow. We because we have the trademark to blonde and clothing. Really? Yeah and brunette. Wow. Yeah. And babe sporting babe. So you started it. That is a trend Yes. Wow. I still struggle with anything. No, I'm yes. Own, like, it. Yes. Own it. Own <laughs> I know. it. Don't worry much therapy for that. I struggle with it. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyways, that's how it started. I wore a sweatshirt. It said Bruno's New Black. It was made on a Walmart sweatshirt. I think it's in here somewhere. It's somewhere in this office. And then one of my retailers, Plenty, said, oh, I could totally sell that in the store. And then we made 12 and made 24 and did our first launch. And it was really before graphic sweatshirts kind of entered the market again right. for this Time frame, like yeah. obviously they were big during the like, you know, Club Monaco, Tommy Hilfiger, but this was kind of the new beginning of that. So we were definitely first to market when it came to sort of graphic, you know, things on sweatshirts. And then I had some kind of negative experiences when I started my business. And so I wanted to share our value system, which was I've always believed there's room for everybody and um, you know, not competition, you know, collaboration. It was kind of before that was a trend, yeah. collaboration over competition. Like It, it sounds like so many of these things innately came from who you were as a person and it was just intuitive for you to bring that into your brand. Well, yeah, that it, and I did it because I had experiences that were opposite. And I remember yeah. being like, you know, as a woman in business at that time, you sort of think like, do I have to be this tough person? Yeah. And I have definitely had to develop tougher skin. I'm by nature, like a very sensitive person. But at the time, I remember thinking, well, I could be like you and have those experiences and kind of respond to this like negativity, or I could be like me and still just be like, I'm not taking that on. And I don't think I would have grown or been successful if I had taken that on because it's not who I am. And I think like ultimately authenticity is like the only way you're going to move forward. And so I just was like, babe, sporting babes. And I remember the first time I said it, people were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like they were just like, what? What are you even talking about? People made so much fun of me. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh, the industry crazy. was not supportive. I feel like now it's like a hashtag with oh yeah, hundreds like, of millions of tags. Oh yeah, it's wild. It's like yeah. it's become its own kind of vibration. It's definitely its own thing now. And then I think the word babes got canceled for a minute there. And well, it's it like, why? <laughs> really? Yeah, when I first started saying it, I was, in particular, like my stepmom was a really like amazing kind of woman in business in Vancouver. And she was like, I can't wear that. Like the word babe, 
when, you know, she started her career was right. you could just sit here because of the way you looked like nothing to do with the way that right. you, what was inside. Yeah. And so I yeah. wanted to create this like definition around the word babe of being like, what kind of person you are, what kind of energy you put out to the world. Um, that's sort of where it evolved from, but it was definitely like, it wasn't this easy thing that I said that people were like, oh yeah, they were like, they thought I was talking about physical appearance and then we had to come up with our own definition and it, it just became its own thing. Cause I always loved if like my, my sister's friends actually said it more than anyone. They, they call each other babes. And I remember being like, I love that so much. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it came from. And then the brand started to kind of authentically grow on its own. It's amazing. So obviously you've had a lot of hustle in your life. Is this something that came to you in childhood or what was your childhood like? (laughs) I know. Do you get tired? (laughs) Part two to the question. It's so funny. There's a couple of girlfriends who we rep one of their breath and they always make a joke. They call it Miriam time. And I never knew that they didn't have. They're like, first thing I see you riding your horse. Next thing you know, you're like in LA and then all of a sudden you're here. It is true. It's one of the questions I had for you today because as a brand founder, and someone who shares my own personal life on social media, like Mm -hmm. the balance of being able to do the thing, share the thing, not only on your personal brand, but also for brunette, do the lives, travel, be a mom, be like, be a wife. I mean, for me, I I, I get burnt out sometimes. Yeah, it is. So how do you, how do you handle that? This year has definitely probably been, it's like weird. All of a sudden I can like feel it in my throat. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. where I've been feeling it lately too. Because it's a throat chakra. It's like blocking. I, up until became becoming a mom, did not really feel that way because I think I had a life that was, I didn't have to worry about time. Right. You know, and... Like your days could bleed into your nights, yeah, open a glass matter. of wine like, at the office. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I would stay here. I love staying here after, like in the evenings. I come yeah. back sometimes in the evenings, super early mornings. I'm probably more of a night person than I am a morning person by nature. Right. Now I feel such a like almost like a loss in times of the time that I have got with my son to this point that like I can't like I was like I leave to go get him from the nanny and like my husband has an easier time with being like do you want to go home later or leave earlier and I'm like neither yeah so I yeah. get just up. a shorter day yeah at the a shorter day so to try to navigate fitting in and then like self-care yeah. has definitely been a challenge. But up until becoming a mom, I didn't find it as difficult. And I think like, I love, love, love what I do. I think COVID has created a lot of challenges in our industry. So mm-hmm. I would say 2023 has been the hardest professional year I've ever had mixed in with having like a young child. Mm-hmm. So I know it's only going to be better, mm-hmm. but I definitely do get tired yeah. and maybe more like emotionally than physically. I don't really get like physically that tired, Yeah, but I think this is like who I am. I started working at nine at a full, yeah. like full weekend job, like from 6am till like, you wouldn't know how not to work. No, it I would be hard. I feel like you. I almost want to figure out how to like yeah. learn that balance a little bit better. Cause I think that, I don't know, you get older and you're like, Whoa, I'm 42 now. Like you know, my dad's turning 80 in like yeah. a year. Like you just are like the things that are like important to you change for yeah. sure. As you get older, like all I wanted to do was work. I love working. Yeah. Like even now I give you, I could be happily be here all the time. Yeah. But then, you know, everything once, at least I found become, once you become a parent, everything that you do outside of being a parent is a sacrifice to the time you get with your child if you're a working parent. Exactly. So, you know, I ride horses competitively. It's I my time at the barn is a sacrifice from time that I get with my son. So like how do I navigate that? Yeah. And there's obviously kids go to bed so early. So it's I like know. <laughs> there's only this like short window in the day. And yeah. so I don't know. I'm going away actually next week and I'm gonna like really try to like 
figure out the time a little bit better because I don't feel like I've nailed that yet. And honestly, I don't know if you ever do. Like I have a five, as you know, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and I almost feel like it's getting harder. And I hate to say that, but the kids and kid just become more full on, like more emotional. There's more to handle. And I was saying to my husband this morning, I was like, I feel like I've been trying to run at my capacity of pre-motherhood and I just don't have that capacity anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's hard. It is already that even the realization you're like, Oh, I could before do like a blog post, work my full day job, Mm -hmm. have one Wednesday on the side, like meet Joni first thing in the morning. And now Mm -hmm. I'm like, I maybe can do one of those things, you know? So it's really like reconciling with yourself and knowing that like quality over quantity, but it's so hard in this world where everything moves so fast. So, so much stuff. So like, how literally, how do you handle creating content for your own personal brand, mm-hmm. sharing it, being with your son, creating content for brunette? Like, how do you do that? Like, well, do you have a I system? do agree with you that I think by nature, I just work a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, I said, as a kid, I had a job. I've worked since I was nine and I have not taken a break. Yeah. Like, there has never been like a, I haven't taken three months off. Or yeah. Taken, you know, I've gone on lots of holidays. So yeah. running a business, you can have a bit more of time. You never get really a break. But when you're creating your own content, like that's so that's interesting. You're talking about that because I had like a meltdown about it probably like two months ago. Okay, this was me last week. Yeah, this is why I'm I asking like, you about it. I can't do this. Yeah, because actually, what I need to do is focus on you know, with dealing with kind of like shipping crisis. And yeah. I basically had to restart everything that I did for the entire time I've had brunette the label and start fresh after COVID because I realized I had no control over right. our shipments and things. There was just a bunch of things. That went. Like so, actual business things business, that needed to yeah. be figured out, not just yeah. like cute pics to throw up with links. Well, exactly. So then I decided I was like, I am the face of brunette. And I do think it's important because it is me and we mm-hmm. are changing a lot. So like a lot of the product that we're making is new. A lot of, the, I want to explain why, like yeah. a lot of new categories, a lot of new different things. I am a different person. And like, I want to make sure that I can like share that information. So I have this amazing girl who's a part of Team Burnett. I hired her probably like six months ago, kind of as a contract. She helps me do my content. I was loving doing it, but I was doing it like two, three days a week. Yeah. All of a sudden I was like, I have no control over any other part of my business. Yeah, it's a full-time job just doing that. And so I just said, I need a break. And I literally, I don't know if you've noticed, my content is like really decreased. I have not, which goes to show that like, maybe you can do less and it's okay. Well, my engagement's much higher. Interesting. Yeah, since I've started doing less, I've started taking breaks on it and I find the engagement is gets higher again. Yeah, I usually I was, take weekends off and okay. I find when I come back, like I've gained followers somehow. Okay. Whereas like I'll post three reels in a week and like really push myself and, and then all these followers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's what? It's true because you, I like really think everybody is overstimulated. Yeah. So it's, it's like everything's being overproduced. Everything, there's so much like social media like an entire business, right? Yeah. Like it's when we start, when I started, oh my gosh, I was going back through our old Instagram on brunette. Shop. No, it's scary. I miss it. I'm oh like, my God, for me, I'm like, can we just delete 2016 and before? Oh yeah, there was like memes on there oh that were so funny. Actually, the yeah. memes, like, that is still my sense of humor, but I can never post that. Oh just gosh. the most like awful photos, like just like photos of, with terrible filters of two drinks, like just the funniest things. Oh, um, so good. But actually, the simple days. Good old days. You know what though? You know who does memes 
still really well is Array, the the mm-hmm. supplement brand. They do cute memes. They like so modernize it. When you ask me, do I sleep? I do yeah. now because yeah. of Array. <laughs> Thank God for Array. Yeah, Use my code. <laughs> it's funny. I've been taking their Calm in the mornings, which like I have never taken any sort of supplements at all. Yeah. Obviously, wow. just vitamins or whatever. But yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing too. Those of you listening, I'm dog sitting right now and the dog is staring into the mirror at me as I'm speaking. We're going this to is... need Raquel to take a photo of the dog in the mirror. This is really funny. <laughs> okay, so I am sleeping. I, ha- I actually started giving myself one hour before bed where I don't look at my phone. Yeah. But no, I had to take like a full social media. I was like, it's causing mass anxiety for me. And I'm not by nature somebody who like gets anxiety. So I knew it was like my body telling me that this is not right for me right now. And I try to listen to my body because I honestly do know it tells me what I need to know. And like a super manifester. And I've found the the last year haven't listened as well as I should because I feel a bit more... I wouldn't say lost, but definitely in a changing time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying in moments to like listen to my body when I feel it's telling me something and yeah. it was telling me to take a break. Like it was just, but then it was so hard because I would we'd have events and yeah. people would come in and say, oh my gosh, I like, you're watching you um, show me how you're like styling this look made me want to get this piece and it made me feel yeah. more confident to like put together my look today or this and that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you do watch it for that? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well maybe this is important just in small increments or in different ways that are like healthier for me. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And what did that look like when you took a break? Was I it a month? Said no. No. I said so you took a month or what did you take? I don't know how long it's been. And just like, if I felt like doing it in yeah. the moment, I would do it. And I just today was like, I think I want to put my camera back up. And okay. so it's been a couple of months. It's interesting. You said your front facing camera was like, I think it broke. broken. Yeah. 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 It's so funny because I was feeling this way a week ago when I haven't been on social media for a week and I was sitting at a coffee shop and I was like, I am going to take a month off of social media because I was feeling the same. I was running on Wednesday's TikTok. Mm -hmm. I oversee our Instagram, oversee our marketing. Of course, I do my own social. And yours is amazing, but it's it's full on. You're like links and roundups and things like I've never done that. Like that is a whole job in itself. It and is it's amazing that you're doing it, but I love yours. Like I'm like, yeah. I was trying to look for a podcast and I was like, well, like, oh, Sophie. Yeah, like I knew. Like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out. And I don't know what the balance is for me right now, but similarly to you, like so much of one Wednesday's growth comes through my personal brand. And I love connecting people with people in that way. And, but in my body, I'm knowing like, this is not working yeah. right now. Yeah. I think I need to take a month, but I was like literally Googling like, social media detox. (laughs) And this beautiful, like 75 year old woman comes up to me on this patio and says, are you Sophie? I follow you on Instagram and I absolutely love your content. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this the, is this the test from the universe? Is this the universe telling me to continue? Like, I don't know what it is, but I think it was probably saying what you're doing is great. The thing is, is no one's going to leave. Yeah. No one's going to be like, oh, she didn't post for a month. Like, I don't yeah. follow her anymore. Yeah. It was probably being like, when you're ready to come back to this. Yeah. There's people that love it. But like, yeah. that's kind of what I took from it because it was literally like five people within a week and nobody right. really makes comments to me about my social media. Really? I love it. Yeah. It's so inspiring. Really? Honestly, yeah. As a brand founder and your mentorship Mondays. And Seeing, like, I haven't met in like so long. Not but you know, it still sticks out in my mind exactly. as like such an important piece of your content. And it's even if I haven't seen it in a month, like I know it's there and like I still drive value from it. So, yeah, so exactly. So yeah. that every year I do the first two weeks of January. 
that's yeah, like, yeah. I, it's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. I shut my phone off on January 1 and I start, I get back on it on January 15th. I do like yeah. two weeks and honestly, it's the best two weeks of my whole it's year. It's the best. <laughs> Maddie and I, I'll never forget my husband and I were in New York. We we're staying at this like, you know, magical hotel is Christmas time, which for me is like my favorite time of the year. And I was getting super anxious again about like making sure I had content done and all this stuff. And then January 1st comes and I delete it. Yeah. We, this was before we had August and it was just us two. And then we went from New York to LA. It was like a really cool, like I love trip. And you guys do great trips. Thank you. I have to say, I do like that content too. <laughs> well, we're going on a really fun one in a week. So follow along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll give you Miriam's tags at the end. Yeah, that was going to be super cool. But I was sitting in LA. We stayed at, do you know Chateau Marmont? Have you been yeah, there? Okay, so yeah. we stayed there. And I it was like one of my bucket list places to stay. I've always wanted to stay there. So fun. And I didn't have social media. And I just sat there in the courtyard having a drink looking at every single person's on their phone, yeah, and including my husband, who's actually much better about his phone than me. And I was like, gosh, this room is beautiful. I saw all the pieces of art. I had so much peace inside of my body. Yeah. And I was just had the best time. And actually at this moment, where I was like, what is wrong with our world? Because nobody was present. But then it was like, I knew in two weeks, I would be the same. Yeah. So I think it's just like a balance. Yeah. Like it's like, or being able, my dream would be be able to sit there, do what I need to do, or because I do actually find social media inspiring. Me too. I was, I've actually written since I've been off a list of like expanders of mm -hmm. people who I look to that inspire me that I actually miss seeing their content. And that's who you should follow. Yeah. Or like highlight those because the problem is you just get targeted constantly. Yeah. Don't want to see. I was like, other than the funny horse videos, I'm not really interested. Mine's all pregnant blondes. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what mine is? All horses, Formula One, because I love Formula One. Oh my gosh. And barely any fashion. That's so funny. I feel like you need to do a Formula One inspired collection. Oh my gosh. That would be so fun. I feel like if I ever go to one, I will do it. Yeah. My sister actually just went in Montreal. Her husband works for Red Bull. So fun. It was her 40th birthday trip. And I was like, I need to watch that Netflix show. I haven't watched it. No, I haven't. My husband's like, you're crazy. And I just, I haven't. It is. My one of my favorite shows on TV. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like on the now I'm like a super. Fan. <laughs> I, I feel I, like we're friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like 20, most of my like twenty. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my friend Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you talked a lot about manifesting. Do you have like a process around manifesting? Obviously, you've manifested such incredible things in your life: your baby, your marriage, mm-hmm. your world, your brand. Tell us like what manifesting means to you and and what your process is. It's interesting because like I said to you, this year has been really weird because I feel like I'm like, by nature, I'm like an, I'm actually like an immediate manifester. Okay. Okay. What does that mean? That usually it means that if I think it or say it, it will usually happen pretty immediately. Okay. So like I, for example, I always wanted to do a juicy couture collaboration. I was like, it was my first nice tracksuit that I ever got. I was in college. Such a classic. Right. Yeah. And so it's a kind of an interesting two part story. So anyways, we did an event in LA with a babe sporting babes neon sign and we left in LA. We were going to bring it to Vegas to a trade show. So the guy didn't answer his phone. We couldn't get a hold of him. Ryan, who was working here, got in a car and drove to LA. It took him like 24 hours. He found the sign, brought the sign to Vegas. I flew to Vegas. I met him there. We put it up. That night, I wrote down three things that I would like. One of them was collaboration with Juicy Couture. The next day, the owner's son of ABG Group that owns Juicy Couture walked through our booth. Stop. Yeah. The crazier part about it was that he saw Arnie on sign. And I feel like 
the combination of the two. It's like you can manifest your life, but you have to do the work. Yeah. So had Ryan not gone and got this sign and gone above and beyond what like a normal person in a traditional role would do, I don't think he would have seen us. So, but I don't think he would have come in if I didn't run it down. So right. it's kind of like the combination between the yeah. two for me has always been something that's really important. Like have the dream and figure and out what, work. yeah, and do Have the work. dream and do the work. Yeah. But yeah, normally like, you know, I'll be like, this is what, you know, in the mornings I'll kind of like write down, usually in the week I didn't get a chance to do it today, but I'll usually write down like kind of hopes and dreams of things that I want, but also it can be as simple as just like writing a word on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Like when I was trying to get pregnant, it was really hard for us to get pregnant. We did IVF. And I, right before I started IVF, wrote down two names on post-its, August, and then a girl's name. Mm-hmm. And then I manifested it, put it away. Often, I think you, you need to release it later. Right. Though. Like you, I yeah. think you need to write it down and forget about it. At least that's what works for me. Yeah. Same. And then when I got, we had one egg, we shouldn't have been able to, have, it like was so unusual that it worked the way that it worked. It was a super emotional experience. Sure. And then we found out that I was pregnant and the poison just like stuck immediately. And I actually found the post-it like honestly, probably like three weeks ago and just put it in his baby book. So beautiful. Yeah. But I think so. everybody manifests in different ways. I don't really know a lot about like traditional manifesting. I haven't like researched I feel like you literally like hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of reading on it and you basically just discarded it. You should write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, it's funny. One of my dreams, I love writing. It's something I've always like loved doing. And last week I came home, I had this like experience when we, I had my appointment at Whole Renfrew and it was like, yeah. just this like a weird juxtaposition between like the hardest day of my life and like the best day of my life. And it was just like one of those like weird, it's so crazy to me that you can like exist in these yeah. two extremes and like sit kind of in the middle of these two where you're like so grateful and so yeah. like, you know, it's so tough. And so I started writing. I have no idea what it is. Like, I know uh, one day it will just start to come. But I'm part of me is like, maybe it's a kid's book to start. Like, I don't know. But I've yeah. always wanted to write a book. Because I read the Bergdorf Blondes when I first started my oh, business. Yeah. And I was oh, like, yeah. I have to have a fashion business. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I need I to like, write so or the Divorce Prada or something. Like, re-watching yeah. that, I was like, this is going to be my life. So oh, I feel my like gosh. That, I could see you writing a book like that. Mm-hmm. That would be so fun. I'm the exact same. I think, like, one of my biggest openings as a human was when Charlie like had surgery and it was the most joyful time in my life because I was meeting my new baby and we were like in the hospital, just me and him and Peter and just having this like one-on-one time with your second, which you don't usually get, but at the same time he was getting heart surgery. And so you're dealing with like, I mean, you can, you've been through hard things. Like you're dealing with the hardest thing you could possibly imagine in your life. And then you're dealing with the utmost joy. And I think oftentimes in society, we shy away from those big feelings yeah. and those big emotions, but in those feelings and emotions is really my dog. is snoring. Your dog agrees. It's like, it's like the most emotional thing. Yeah. Moms and he's like, oh. it's so good, but that's when you like really get to experience life. And I think that, you know, the people who do the work and the therapy and like the yeah. introspection and the writing and the manifesting, those are the people who realize like that can exist in the same, yeah, in the same moment. Yeah. So tell us about Holtz. I'm so excited for you. And I think this is going to come out like right before your pop. Oh, really? Yeah. So it'll be so perfect excited. timing. Okay. Do you want to make one comment about what you just talked about? Well, okay. first of all, did you know before you had him that you, he was going to need the surgery? I did. So we found out at 20 weeks okay. um, in utero. And so like the next 20 weeks, it was obviously a myriad of doctor's appointments. You know, mm-hmm. you've been through that with IVF, yeah. weekly blood, all those genetic everything. And I spent those 20 weeks 
honestly, like just in survival mode, taking yeah, care of, of myself and like trying to create the least amount of stress in my body yeah. that I could possibly imagine. So like 30 minutes meditating every morning, like writing, like I was, I tried really, really hard. I didn't even look up the surgery. My husband like knew how to do the surgery by the time we got there from the amount of YouTube. Yeah. For me, I just couldn't. So, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenging time, but it, it was really a time. I think that, you know, in most challenging times, that's when you grow and yeah. that's when you realize oh, yeah. the depths of you your think strength. You can't yeah. handle it anymore. You can't. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you, do you know I had August by accident at home? You told me on our last, on our last conversation. Yeah. yeah. So oh my gosh. But thing- tell, tell everyone. <laughs> well, I don't know if, anybody, if you want to. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't mind telling you, but I don't yeah. feel like anybody needs to hear it other than the hospital sent me home. I told them the baby was coming. The takeaway from the whole experience is nobody listened to me about anything. To and do. listen to yourself. Yeah. Well, I knew, like I told everybody on four days before the baby, I went into labor. I was like, he's coming October 1st. I know because it, it was the changing of the guards. It was my anniversary of my business. I was like, there is no way that this birthday is so close to my business without yeah. being the changing. So I went into labor on October 1st, 2021, which was exactly, sorry, 14 years. 13 years, 13 years before I started to the day. 13. Yeah. Magic number. (laughs) And um, anyways, but one of the things midwife said to me, because obviously, well, he wasn't breathing when he came out. We just called 911. I kind of had to like hit hit him to try to get him to come to. And the midwives arrived before 911 arrived. And so he was kind of breathing at this point. We had an incredible... And you did it by yourself. Well, we had a doula with us. So she like, honestly, thank goodness she was the most special person and a really dear friend of ours. And basically had she not been there, I don't, I honestly don't know what we would have done because he had his umbilical cord wrapped a couple times around his neck. It was very scary at the time. But when the midwives came, it ended up being beautiful. Like we had him, we ended up having him at home. We never had to leave the house. I did the rest of my birth in my back. I did. He was born in my bathtub and then did the rest of the birth on our bed. And then the midwives cleaned up the whole house and we had a cheers of a Barolo, probably not that kosher for many people that think you shouldn't, but I cheers it up. Laid in bed with our baby and it was ended up being beautiful, but the story was awful to beautiful. And I remember the midwife saying to me, when you tell the story tell to the end when you were sick mm. and I honestly think that is like the most important like one of the most important life lessons I've ever learned is when I tell the story it was like horrible and then beautiful and I ended on the beautiful and I think it's like really helped me process the like trauma that I had around it because it was like every time I tell the story I was like but then we ended up having a chair sit with our burlo and lay in bed with our baby and never had to leave and it was the first like most beautiful two weeks of my absolutely like where I never left the house and like just had this like cocoon of happiness in my home and I think if I told the story to like where the midwives came and took them from me like it would have just been like this like traumatizing experience for me personally I don't oh my gosh I mean what you're saying is resonating with me so deeply yes and now I just always tell the story to the end where it's like ends up being super fun and cute because it lets me kind of like go through the emotions of it and leave there and I just think that was such an incredible life lesson oh my gosh I mean I literally wanted to write that down as you're saying it that's so so beautiful we only have a couple minutes left. Okay. So I always ask my guests, what are you obsessed with and what makes you feel your best? Well, I'm obsessed with horses. <laughs> I know. Tell us a bit more Still about your case. equestrian life. I was like a baby. Yeah, it's what I do. It's my like biggest passion. I'm so grateful to have a passion. I know that that is really lucky. 
So I still try to like maintain it, even though it's really hard. How often do you ride? I ride four days a week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what is, four. what does that look like in terms of like actually getting out? Because if you ask my husband, it's just like this time warp where I say I'll be back in an hour and a half. But I'm okay. not, like, I try to bring August as much as possible. He oh. like is really into the horses too. So I bring him with me. Um, but something I grew up, I was on a pony when I was six months old. And wow. it's something I've done my whole life in different capacities in different ways. And yeah. You know, as a kid, I did it every day. Never went on holidays with my family. Like it was just at the barn. And wow. now I do it for fun. And I recently got a horse that's super fun. Her name's Daisy. And I Aww. competed this weekend, actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You compete? <laughs> yeah, I compete. <laughs> I'm off Instagram, so oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I'll show you when we're done. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's I had amazing. Super time. And now it's like, I'm really grateful to be there. And it's like my personal time. So, it's changed the way I feel about it because before I'd get super emotional about it because it was like I was really competitive and I yeah. wanted it to go well. Now I'm like, I'm safe. I'm happy. I'm having a good time. My jump jump is big. And, yeah. you know, obviously it comes with complicated feelings as a parent because it's not the safest. Yeah, for, totally. Um, but it's like me. It's a part of me. And yeah. I didn't do it for 10 years. And I never felt like myself. Well, that's the thing. If you didn't do it, you wouldn't be your full self for August. So it's almost like it needs to be a part of your life as safely Mm -hmm. as it can be. Exactly. So that's probably what I'm like the most obsessed with. Yeah. Obviously I'm obsessed with the fashion industry because, but there's like parts of it. I love, like, I love this sort of like, um, I don't love the exclusivity that can exist within it. I think it's changed a lot. And I think you've helped break that mold. I really do. Like I remember long before when Wednesday was born and Joni and I would like sit around talking about things for like Miriam's doing this amazing things, babe supporting babes. And it's been so inspiring for us because it's, one of the ethos that we brought forward in our own brand and That's honestly nice. was very much inspired by you. And I, so I think you really are breaking the mold Thank in you. Vancouver beyond like well, I Canada. I really appreciate that. When I first started, it was definitely not something that existed a lot. And so I really tried really hard to yeah. make it more that way. I do think it's more common in just the world. I think like yeah. by nature, I am like a very sensitive person. I do feel a lot. And I think I like a lot of things will like come into trend that I've kind of like been feeling. And part of me wonders like, is it, just naturally ingrained in me or is it something I've like seen or felt that like I brought forward so you know with the babe supporting babes movement you know I think I created the babe supporting babes movement yeah but I think the movement was starting and I think I probably just like felt it in the universe yeah but the way you brought it in was what took off yeah for for us here locally but you know and nationally for at least for sure thank you no for sure and Um, what makes you feel your best oh my gosh what actually makes me feel my best is when I have structure, which is really interesting because I'm not a structured person at all. Right. But I like feel my best if I can like give myself time and space. Yeah. And being around the horses and animals, I probably feel the most myself um, when I'm around them. But what makes me feel my best is when I'm not rushing. My life is always rushing. And I honestly feel like as I've gotten older, maybe it's just your body can only hold so much. And I'm kind of at a place where... I just don't like it anymore. Yeah. I just need, like, if I wake up in the morning and give myself an hour where I get to, like, sit on my own, yeah. and not talk to anyone, and then, like, I'm actually on time for something, yeah. and I'm actually, like, fit in my schedule the way that I plan, I probably feel my best. Yeah, for sure. And then I would say, like, being with my family and my best friends, like, they both, I have, like, really amazing friends. My oldest friend, we've been friends for 
36 years. That's amazing. Yeah, like, we texted this morning. We still talk all the time. And, like, you know, a newer friend is maybe, like, 20 years. Yeah. So I know. I'm getting to that point, too, where I'm like, oh, yeah, those were new friends from university. And I was like, wait, that's almost 20 years ago. Like, these are my old friends now. It's It's amazing when your new friends become your old friends. Exactly. And I think it's just, like, I have such dear friends. And as you kind of go through, like, more challenging times, you just realize, like, like people that like genuinely like love and genuinely like care for you yeah. are really all that really matters that in your family. But I would say like one day if I like look and I'm like, where would I, where do I like see my happiest self? I would just be like living on a farm with like a million rescue animals, still like doing fashion, maybe yeah. out of there, but just like living in like space with like animals and my family. Well, I have no doubt you'll make it happen. Hopefully. <laughs> so I want to end with where can people find you? And okay. also tell us about your whole pop up, okay. like details. How can people come and support? And I just want to make sure we share that. Okay, thank you. So first of all, I'm so excited about that. I know that you know, because you guys did a pop up. It's yes. like the craziest feeling in the world. It feels like a dream come true. And yes. Paul Renfrew has, they're the most amazing partner. It is like so exciting to me. And another thing I think I've been manifesting for about... 10 years. So it's also like, don't give up on your manifestations too. Because not every, I don't think there would have been a better time because our product assortment is correct now. And I think it will do incredible. I'm so excited. Like I cannot wait to come and shop it and share it. And I'm just so excited. We're going to do a media event. Yay. Yeah. So what's (laughs) actually crazy about it is it's 15 years, October 1st that I started. So we're going to do it kind of as like a 15 year celebration. You know, so September 21st to 24th, I believe. I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure okay. September 21st to 24th. We're going to be doing it at uh, the Vancouver Holt Renfrew pop-up spot. She had, they haven't totally told us where in the story, okay. but that was just, it was amazing. There was a girlfriend of mine that works there, Michelle Addison, and I was talking with her about how, like, I would really love to be there. And she called me. This is actually, again, another oh, opportunity. Oh, Michelle's amazing. She's amazing, yeah. but she was like... Hey, if you can get here in an hour, you can show the line. And I was like, ah, here. I was definitely not dressed. I was helping to show my collection at what went through. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there in an hour. So we like packed up all our samples. I like carried in the, the garment bags. Wow. And with um, my sister Raquel, she helped me with like took turns bringing everything upstairs. And then she brought the store manager in. He loved the collection. And then we went last week and met with the amazing head of marketing thinker events amazing I think it's marketing carla and carla yeah. yeah she was she, she is, is a big she is yeah. we i just had you a call with her last week we're doing an event in august so okay. i'll let you know but oh, she yeah. is incredible okay. yeah we're launching a new colorway with them so amazing. yeah that's so exciting yeah a month before you so we'll pimp out yeah. everyone who comes to yeah. mind i'll be like <laughs> handing out flyers yeah. for the brunette well, label we'll event support you as well wow. what did you know your date August 16th okay. is when we're doing Perfect. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just like, it's kind of crazy because we're going to do actually fashion week as well, which we've kind of done before and then not done and done. But yeah. we had a really, when we launched Juicy, we did it and we had this like crazy party after that. Like everybody who worked in fashion Vancouver came to, it was just one of those moments. Like I've had a couple moments like that. Like when I opened my retail store, I think like every person I invited showed up. And it was like so fun. It was kind of the same experience for the when we launched Juicy. And I'm hoping this kind of um, so we're gonna do Fashion Week again for 15 years. So we're gonna do the old pop up week in between or two weeks in between then Fashion Week. It's gonna be a crazy fall for you. 
Great. Oh, find the balance, people. We're going to have to oh spend some time in quiet solitude in the morning. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, so where can people follow up with you and see what you're up to? Okay, so my personal Instagram is Miriam Alden. Uh, M-I-R-I-A-M-A-L-D-E-N, because my name, again, is not the most common. No, it's good. And <laughs> Brunette the Label to follow the brand and everything that we're doing. So, yep, those are my two handles. And Amazing. please DM me and... I mean, I'm getting back into Mentor Monday. So that's kind of something I'm like amazing. Yeah. And for those who don't know, it's basically when you answer questions and talk about your journey as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur and it's, it's super, super valuable. Answer like specific questions too. So people can send in their own questions and like, actually like help. Thank you so much for joining me Thank today. You. I could have talked to you for hours and I know, I know we will too. after this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for Thanks, having Miriam. me. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at Sophie C. Collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or onewednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.